And so we're going to go through that uh, briefly tonight. And so we're going to look at Psalm 51. And uh, to start with, um, I'm going to go ahead and just read uh, the first four verses. And uh, we'll cover really all of them as we go through the message tonight. But Psalm 51, verse 1 says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from mine uh, from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. And uh, with that, let's have prayer, and we'll get into our message tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time of uh, music tonight, and just the songs have been a blessing uh, to me, and I hope, Lord, to you as well. I hope you've been pleased and encouraged by the singing of your people unto you. Now, Lord, as we look into your word, I pray that you might um, help us to understand this passage. Help us, Lord, to not just know what it says, but to live it out and to apply it in our own lives. And uh, we'll thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to ask a question. This is kind of a survey poll question. How many of you have a weird thing about you where you like going to the dentist? Is there anybody like that in here? Okay, so there are three of you, four of you, who like to go to the dentist. And uh, Brother brother Terry was a dentist, so that's kind of... <laughs> he likes going to himself, I guess. But <laughs> um, I am one that would not raise my hand right then and there. I do not like going to the dentist. I've had quite a bit of denti, denti, dental work in my day. Uh, some reasons that I do not like going to the dentist. Uh, it, it usually doesn't feel good, all right? Usually I don't go out of there laughing and going, that was just a wonderful experience. Um, number two, I have to pay for this discomfort. I get to pay for the pain. What a blessing, you know? Not only is it painful, but I get to pay for it too. And then Number three, I don't like to be told how bad of a job I'm doing taking care of my teeth. <laughs> well, I went to the dentist this morning uh, before coming into work for my uh, twice-a-year deal. And uh, I went, I went uh, well, about six, seven months ago, and uh, they told me I had a cavity. And so I had to take care of that. And then, and then my other cleaning got pushed out to six months later, right? Uh, but prior to that, it had been like two years since I've been to the dentist. So anyway, I kind of like to avoid it. My, I'm glad my wife's kind of keeping track of that and making sure that I go. That's a good thing. But uh, yeah, this morning, uh, the nurse was like, uh, so uh, you floss every morning, right? Like that's how she asked the question. Instead of like, how often do you floss? She was like, you floss every morning, right? And I said, well, not technically every morning. <laughs> like, technically once in a while <laughs> when there's food caught in my teeth. How many are like that? Is anybody else like that? Okay, you only floss when you have to in order to get food out of the teeth. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. But the thing is, is I don't like to be confronted with 
uh, how bad of a job I'm doing in something. And so uh, as I was thinking about that, I, I, as I was sitting in the dentist chair this morning, I was thinking about Psalm 51, and I was thinking, you know, David had uh, an experience like that, but, but much more serious, obviously. Um, if you have your Bible, I would, uh, you're gonna, we're going to be back in Psalm 51, but I kind of want to look at the context of Psalm 51, and the context is found in uh, 2 Samuel chapter number 12, 2 Samuel chapter number 12. And this is when and the reason that David wrote Psalm 51. In Psalm or 2 Samuel chapter number 11 uh, is the whole record of when David sinned with Bathsheba. Um, in, in chapter 11, in verse number 2, it says, It came to pass in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And verse 4, David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house, and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And so this was kind of the first part of the sin, and then uh, then David goes into a, a big scheme to try to get Uriah to come home and, and a loving couple spending time together uh, at home would hopefully uh, cause Uriah to feel like, oh, this is my child. Well, uh, he was pretty staunch on his duty to be a soldier uh, when his other fellow soldier men are, are out of battle. He said, no, 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 I'm going to stay outside. And so verse 9, he slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his Lord and went not down to his house. Well, uh, that kind of backfired on David's plan there, and so David came up with a new plan. Plan B was to uh, basically send Uriah down to uh, battle with his own death warrant in his hand. Um, and so he, he had kind of this whole plan that he's going to sin, and you know no one will know, and he'll cover it all up, and you know he'll get away with it, and uh, all will be well. Uh, the, the challenge is, I don't know that David remembered the fact that God is everywhere and that he sees everything, including what David did. And so here we go to 2 Samuel chapter 12, versus why I had you turn over there, and then we spent so much time in chapter 11. But chapter 12, verse 1 says, The Lord sent Nathan unto David. And he came in unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city. This is, by the way, about a year after the sin took place. So a whole year transpires. And uh, here comes Nathan, and the, here's the message that he's supposed to give to David, and that he gives David. There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew together with him and with his children, and it did eat of his own meat and drink of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. Well, then came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. Well, and David, as he hears this story, this parable, David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, liveth the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. 
And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And David said unto David, or Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if, and if that had been too little, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and has taken his wife to be thy wife, and has slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from mine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken my wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of this son." For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the Son. And David said unto Nathan, You got me. I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. And so here is the... This is... I mean, can you imagine being in that moment, being a fly on the wall when David's anger gets kindled and he's like... I can't believe this would happen in, under my watch. Surely this guy's going to die. I mean, he's going to face the death penalty for this. And then Nathan puts his finger in the face of David and said, I'm talking about you, David. You're the man. The first you the man in history was not a good thing. <laughs> you didn't want to be the man, okay? <laughs> you wanted to be someone else to be the man in this case, but David was the man. And so uh, tonight the message is what to do when thou art the man, because all of us have been uh, confronted with sin. All of us are sinners, right? We've all uh, blown it. We've all transgressed against the Lord. What do we do when we uh, recognize that? Well, I want to uh, go through the Psalm 51, because this is David's confession after he is confronted uh, by Nathan, how he pours his heart to the Lord in confession. And so uh, just three thoughts here from this passage that uh, I hope will be an encouragement to you as you come to terms with your own righteousness and right relationship with the Lord. So first of all, uh, what to do when thou art the man? Number one, acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge your sin. The first step in getting right with God is admitting that you are not right with God. <laughs> All right, and David uh, didn't try to throw a bunch of excuses out. He didn't try to play the blame game. Um, he he just simply acknowledged that there was indeed sin. And in uh, verse number three of Psalm fifty-one, David said, "For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me." We need to acknowledge that there is a problem in our relationship. And by the way, it's not God's fault. It's ours. It's, it's mine. Now, the classic New Testament passage for this particular concept of acknowledging our sin is 1 John chapter 1, and verses 8 and 9, where the Bible says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So those who say, you know what, I'm perfectly right with God, at all times. 
Well, we're deceiving our own selves and the truth not in us. But then the next verse says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, uh, acknowledge your sin. Here's what we need to acknowledge. First of all, that it is personal. All right? We need to acknowledge that our sin is personal. Uh, verse 1 of this passage says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Not somebody else's, but mine. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David was very understanding that it was him and him alone that was responsible for the sin that he did. Verse number uh, 3, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And verse 4, against thee, thee only have I sinned. I'm the one that committed the sin. It wasn't the devil made me do it. It wasn't uh, so-and-so made me do it or, you know, uh, my, my, my wife made me do it. No, 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 I chose to do it. I can't blame circumstances. I can't blame anyone else. And by the way, the blame game goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? When Adam and Eve sinned uh, and God comes and, and says, uh, Adam, where art thou? Again, he... It wasn't that God didn't know where Adam was. He wasn't actually asking more about the location, more about the relationship that they had. Um, but when, Dave, when, when Adam finally uh, uh, talks to the Lord, uh, he basically blames Eve first, but then he ends up blaming God, doesn't he? It was the woman whom thou gavest me. So, Lord, if you wouldn't have given, it, given that woman to me, then I wouldn't have sinned. Wow. The audacity to blame God for sin. And that, that's what Adam did. And then, and then on it goes to Eve, and then she blames the serpent, and the blame game continues. And, and guess who won the blame game? Nobody won. And nobody wins when we play the blame game when it comes to our sin. Um, when you are the one who did the sin, take personal responsibility for it. So acknowledge your sin, that it is personal, and acknowledge also that it was against God. It was against God. Verse 4, against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. So were there others that David sinned against here before, you know, in his sin? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, he sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah, to be sure. He even sinned against the, a little innocent child that was conceived in a moment of sinful passion that the Lord uh, took the life of. But most of all, David realized that his sin was against God. And ultimately, all sin, whether committed with someone else or to someone else, is in reality a sin against God. We need to remember that. I think it's significant, too. I, I don't think that David was just sorry for getting caught. I mean, this getting caught and being confronted with it, I'm sure he wasn't expecting. But I, I honestly think he was really glad that it all happened. Not the sin, but Nathan coming to him and confronting him. 
I'm sure it wasn't, it didn't feel good at the moment, but it was kind of like when you have a splinter that gets infected. I've used this illustration several times, but it, it, it's not fun to get it out. It hurts real bad, but then the healing starts right after that, doesn't it? And, and that's what was going on in David's life. I mean, it didn't feel good to have Nathan confront him and him to be uh, the king, the one who is the most powerful man, at least in, in, in Israel, but probably the world at that time. And he was now confronted with something that made him look bad. It didn't feel good, but the healing began as soon as he was willing to get that splinter out of his life. Um, I don't also think that David was just sorry because of the consequences that he was going to have to face. There are several uh, others in the Bible who, when they learned about the consequences of their sin, all of a sudden they get all sorry and repentant. But it's not real repentance. Think about uh, Saul, King Saul. Uh, When he realizes, when Samuel comes to him and says, hey, why did you disobey the Lord? Um, You're going to lose your throne. Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Please, uh, please, I I, I didn't mean it. Yeah, well, it's a little late now, Saul. You're only sorry because you're of the consequences. Um, we need to make sure that we're, our, our, our repentance and our remorse is real and it's deep like David's was. I think of Judas, too. Uh, when he uh, was sorry for betraying the Lord, he, he was sorry, but it wasn't the right type of sorrow. It was, uh, it was a selfish sorrow. So we need to, first of all, acknowledge our sin. But then, number, number two, we need to ask for cleansing. Ask for cleansing. Uh, Even in verses 1 and 2, we find David already asking for cleansing. At the end of verse 1, he says, uh, Of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Remove my transgressions. Verse number 2, Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And uh, really, this whole point here goes from verse 7 down through verse number 12. Uh, where David was asking for cleansing after he uh, admitted his sin and acknowledged his sin. Let me pick it up in verse number 5 and 6 here before we get to verse 7. It says, verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Um, basically, we're all sinners by birth, and and uh, that's what he was uh, talking a little bit about here in in, in verse 5. And uh, verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. It's important to understand that God cares about the external, all the things that people see. Yes, He cares about those. But most of all, He cares about the inward parts. How are we doing on the inside? Uh, What's our character like? What's our uh, real heart look like uh, to God? Because that's most important. Thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. All right, here's verse 7, his desire for cleansing in his life. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. You see, uh, in his desire for cleansing, he was wanting to get rid of the guilt that he had been carrying around for, well, over a year. Um for a year, he was carrying this around, and uh, we read on Sunday night when we read Psalm 32, some of the 
wordage, verbiage that uh, David used to explain what it was like to carry around this guilt that he had in his life. Um, there's another passage that talks about it. If you want to turn over there, I'm going to read it. Psalm 38, the first five verses of Psalm 38, if you just want to follow along to see for yourself. Here's you know, the verbiage that David uses to explain the, the heaviness of the guilt that he was carrying all these months. Verse 1 of Psalm 38, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Here it is, for thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. It's like constantly at night when no one's around, when it's just me kind of falling asleep, the Lord will throw an arrow in my heart, reminding me of what I did. I can try to forget it, but, but those, those, those arrows stick fast in me. David said in verse 3, There's no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. He said, I've tried to rest. I've tried to forget it. I've tried to do all these things to remove it from my mind, but I can't. And as a result, there's no rest in my bones because of my sin. Verse 4, For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, and as a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. A lot of people are carrying the heaviness of guilt as they go through this life, and God doesn't want us to. They, they carry this with them, some for weeks, some for decades, where they just have never dealt with it and never got it right, and they just continue to carry this guilt with them. And then verse 5, My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. You know, one of the things, and we'll go back here to Psalm 51, but do you get the idea that David was kind of miserable during that year? And that miserableness was God trying to bring him back to himself. And then he finally had to get his attention through the prophet Nathan and then it was like, okay, it's time to deal with this. And I'm really glad that we're doing this right now because I'm tired of carrying around this guilt. I'm tired of trying to go to sleep at night and I can't because this is haunting me. I'm tired of it. He wanted to get clean. Yesterday was my day off and one of the things, um, my wife took our three other children or three children to uh, the dentist and it was my turn this morning. But uh, yesterday it was their turn, so it left me home, and uh, we had a garage that needed to be cleaned. And so I thought, well, it's probably going to be the coolest it's going to be for a long while <laughs> for the next foreseeable future here in Oklahoma. So I'm going to take advantage of the cool weather. It wasn't exactly cool, uh, but I know it's going to get hotter. So I decided that I was going to clean the garage yesterday, and so I did. And I was sweeping, and I was picking up things that were dirty. And, and after about two and a half hours of doing this, I was dusty, dirty, grimy, and very sweaty. I went inside, and all I really wanted to do was take a shower. Right? I wanted to get all this dirt off of me. I wanted to be clean. And David, after a year of walking around in all this guilt, all he wanted after he was confronted was to be clean. And so 
he asks the Lord for cleansing in verses 7 through 12. 7 says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Now hyssop was a little herb that the Jews would use to dip in blood for use in ritual cleansing. Sin can not be forgiven without the shedding of blood. And, uh, and, and he's making a, a little bit of a reference here to that because blood was used in those ceremonial cleansings. And of course, centuries before the cross here, we find a, a reference to the fact that Jesus would one day uh, be the innocent Lamb of God that would shed His blood for us, that would cleanse us from all our sins, uh, not just the one that we confess, but all of them. And so this is kind of a little reference here to uh, what would take place in the New Testament through Christ. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Though my, This is uh, Isaiah uh, 1 and verse number 18 talks about that. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as wool. Though they shall be red like crimson, they shall be as snow. Um, and uh, so... The Lord does uh, wash us whiter than snow when we come to Him. All right, verse number 8, He says, Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And you kind of cross-reference verse 8 with Psalm 32 and Psalm 38, and you read how His bones are are feeling the guilt. And He wants His... He wants he wants that to be cleansed. He wants that to be made right again. And notice verse, the first part of verse 8, make me to hear joy and gladness. In, in, in some senses, the guilt that we have because of our sins hinders how we hear, hinders our hearing. Because for the last 12 months plus, David hasn't really been hearing a lot of joyful things or glad things. At least that's not what his ears are allowing him to hear. He wants to get back to the point where he's... And he remember, he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was the one who was the great heart player that would come and play before Saul. And, and, uh, and Saul enjoyed that, and it made the troubling spirits depart. Remember that? Well, now, in the last... 12 months, I don't know that there's been a lot of heart playing. I don't know that there's been a lot of listening to good things. He's too guilty to do so. So he says, make me to hear joy and gladness. Uh, during his year of sin and hiding, his joy was missing, and it went missing, and he wanted that joy in his heart once again. Verse number 9 says, Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. So he wanted, uh, you know, in our day and age, when someone, uh, maybe a celebrity or something, um, is involved in a scandal, well, they their picture graces the news, and all of us see it. Uh, remember when Lori Laughlin did the college entrance scandal? Uh, I mean, just for like probably three, maybe a month or so, we would constantly see her picture everywhere when you looked at the news. Well, David, of course, when, when he was caught with his sin, I mean, he was the king. I mean, that he had a pretty high position. But he wasn't so concerned with other people seeing him and seeing his sin. 
What he was more concerned about is God. In verse number 9, hide thy face from my sins. Lord, I don't want you to have to look at them. I wish I would have never done this so that you wouldn't have to see this. That's what he's now concerned with in verse 9. I mean, a little too little too late, but he still has the, the perspective of wanting the Lord to not be looking at his sin. Well, the Lord does behold. His eyes are in every place beholding the good and the evil, so he does see. Um, and David was greatly ashamed and didn't want God to have to look at it. Verse number 10, here's David's prayer, and this is one that... Uh, uh, many of us are familiar with verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Of course, in Christ we are. Uh, God does create a clean heart within us when we uh, become a Christian. We are a new creature, and old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, including our heart. And David wanted a clean heart. Uh, verse number uh, 11. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, let me ask this question. Is that a, a, an accurate prayer to prayer to pray as a New Testament believer? No, it's not. Uh, we don't need to pray that prayer. Um, because the Lord promises to never leave us, nor forsake us. And He promises that the Holy Spirit would remain in us, no matter what. He indwells us, and it's a permanent indwelling. Um, he doesn't come in and hang out when things are good, and we're going to church, and we're uh, living a godly life, and then when we uh, turn a corner and go and commit sin, then He just bails on us. No, that's not how it works. Uh, the moment that we believe on Christ, He comes in and dwells in, a, in us, and it's a permanent indwelling. Now, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is never grieved or quenched. Many times when we live in sin, those things can happen. And we grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin, and then we can get to the point where we just quench Him and we don't have His power in our lives. But verse 11 is a prayer that David prayed because uh, in the Old Testament that did happen. When God's uh, Spirit was upon somebody, it wasn't necessarily uh, an ind a permanent indwelling. It was a, uh, a conditional dwelling. And we find that in the, uh, in the life of King Saul, when, when he was doing right, the Spirit was there, but then when he committed sin, the Spirit left. Uh, but not so in a New Testament believer, and I praise the Lord for that truth. Verse 12 says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Um, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I like this. While we cannot lose our salvation... We can certainly lose the joy of our salvation when we sin. And that's the devil's, uh, one of his goals. He knows he can't take our salvation. He knows that's a permanent thing. He knows that once we're saved, we're always saved. But he can sure rob us of the joy of our salvation when we sin. And he definitely wants us to be depressed believers. He doesn't mind that we're believers as long as he can make us depressed and I believe that there are a lot of uh, Christians uh, tonight who are walking around very depressed. And you can pinpoint not to the things necessarily that happened to them, but the things that they did to cause the depression. Uh, David was uh, pretty depressed. He would have uh, been a good candidate, I suppose, for the 2020 American uh, psychology 
uh, going to see a psychiatrist for his depression. But the thing is, he needed to not just see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. He needed to go see God and deal with his sin. I believe there's a lot of Christians like that too. I'm not, I'm not against uh, some of those Christians uh, who help uh, people go through traumatic situations. I think there is a place for that. However, um, I think that it would do Christians good to just have a time of repentance and revival in their own hearts. And, and, and then they'll see some of that depression go away. Um, David prayed that his joy would come back to him. So uh, there needs to be an acknowledging of our sin. There needs to be an asking for cleansing. And then number three, and uh, we'll wrap it up here with this, there needs to be, uh, we need to arise to serve the Lord. We need to uh, rise up after our sin and go serve the Lord. Um, God does want to forgive us. God does want to offer us cleansing. But it's not just so that we can sit back down and do nothing and sin again. (laughs) No, it's... um, you know, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, Paul asked? God forbid, absolutely not. No, let's get up and serve the Lord now, at, now that we've been cleansed, now that we have this forgiveness in our hearts and lives, let's go off and serve the Lord now. In verse number 13, here's where David kind of changes the tune of his psalm. Uh, verse 13, then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood, guilt, blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. But the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Okay. So once we have been forgiven and cleansed, it's now time to get up and administer for the Lord. And this ministry involves three quick things here. Uh, Not that they're quick when we actually live them out, but uh, just for uh, this message tonight. Uh, First of all, it involves teaching others. It involves teaching others. In verse number 13, David said, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways. So after I've been forgiven, it's not just so that I'm going, glad that's dealt with. No, now God's given me a ministry because I've been forgiven of maybe a certain particular sin, maybe a certain particular thing in my life that I've gotten cleansed for. Well, now God wants to now use me to help others who maybe struggle with the same thing. See, he uh, now I'm, uh, David thought, maybe now I can help others avoid what I just went through so that I can be a blessing, so that God can use me to prevent others uh, from going the wrong direction. Uh, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Of course, uh, we're not going to be effective uh, teachers or preachers of the truth if we're living in sin. Uh, It's... it's, We can't do it. I mean, you you can do it, but you're not going to be very powerful. You're not going to be very effective. And, and I can try, but it, it's, it's not effective. I need to be a clean vessel that God can use and speak through, and so do, and so do you. Um, so it involves teaching others. And, of course, um, well, let me go into the next one here. Uh, and it also involves praise. It also involves praising the Lord. When we 
when we're forgiven, this is an opportunity for us to have that, that good, close, intimate relationship with the Lord once again that has been broken for however long it's been. Now we can praise the Lord truthfully and, and, uh, and rightfully. Verse number uh, 14, at the end of it, he says, My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Verse 15, Open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. David said, Now that I've been forgiven, now that I've been cleansed, I just can't help but praise the Lord. And so when, when we are forgiven, it's time to arise up to serve the Lord by teaching, by teaching others and by praising the Lord and also by offering sacrifice. In verse 16, he says, Thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. And uh, evidently, I don't know if this was the case here, if, if David did offer these sacrifices during this year of guilt. Um, he would go to the, you know, uh, he would go and offer these sacrifices to the Lord, thinking, hey, I, I'm the king and I'm still doing my religious duty. God must be pleased. Um, and, and he said at the end here, he's like, thou desirest not sacrifice. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. He's like, God wasn't impressed with my offerings because there was sin in my life that had not been dealt with. And there's a temptation for us as believers when we're dealing with sin that hasn't been dealt with and we go to church and we preach a sermon. We maybe sing a song. We maybe teach a Sunday school class. We maybe serve in some type of ministry thinking, oh, God must be pleased because I'm, I'm going through the motions of sacrificing for the Lord. Um, yeah, I mean, God, I suppose, would rather you do that than not be in church and not... Uh, be where you need to be, but he's not impressed with that. We need to deal with our sin. He, he wants us to be right with him on the inside, not just external things that others may see. We need to be right with God on the inside, and David recognized that. But once we have been, uh, once we have been forgiven, once we have been uh, cleansed and set free, then it is time to sacrifice. Because in look in verse number nineteen. Once, once we have been, uh, once our spirit's been broken and our, our heart is contrite, then, verse 19, then thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer books upon thine altar. Once we're cleansed, then, then it's time to get back to serving the Lord because those are the, when we sacrifice by serving Him with the right heart and, and, and sin dealt with, those are the ones that God loves and, and appreciates. But, but we can't just do all of these things trying to appease God. No, we need to deal with our sin like David did. And I hope that makes sense tonight. Uh, so when, what to do when thou art the man. And uh, by the way, all of us have been the man or woman at one point or another in our lives. Um, when we uh, recognize the fact that we are sinners and... Uh, we need to get right with God, and I hope that uh, tonight, uh, maybe this message is your version of Nathan coming to you and saying, thou art the man or thou art the woman, get right with God. I hope that you'll do that. I hope that you'll acknowledge your sin, you'll ask for cleansing, and that you'll rise to serve the Lord. Um,
And uh, for those who maybe don't need this tonight, uh, we may need it tomorrow. We may need it next year. And uh, let's uh, keep this kind of in the back of our mind and allow the Lord to bring it to the forefront of our mind uh, when we are in that situation. And hopefully this will also prevent us from going down the path of sin. Uh, seeing David and his um, how, how affected he was with this guilt that he carried around, um, I am convinced that there are a lot of believers who are carrying around guilt, and that's why they're going through some of the issues they're going through mentally. Um, not to say that there's nothing else at play there, but I think that that's a good chunk of it. And uh, just having a clear relationship, a clear conscience before God will do so much good in people's hearts and lives. And if you need to cleanse your heart today, well, you can't cleanse your heart on your own. You need the Lord to do it. Uh, David recognized that he couldn't cleanse it on his own. He needed God to do it. And so I hope that you'll go to the Lord tonight and do that and take care of that. All right, I think that we'll stop there tonight, and uh, we'll go ahead and...